This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning, whether you are on campus with us or online, we're thrilled you're making part of your Sunday here with us. Before we jump into our Kingdom Builders series, I want to share another Chapel Praise story with you. Um, we it, you know, really just feel like in 2023 we're supposed to pay attention to the ways that God is working and celebrate those. Habakkuk 3.2 tells us, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our time. In our time, make them known. And so uh, we've been collecting those. If you have stories of how God has healed, saved, delivered, you can send those to us at praise at christianchapel.com. It is one of the highlights of my week when those are forwarded to me. I I was sitting yesterday, we're out of town. I was sitting in a hotel lobby uh, in the morning reading through the ones that had come in this week. Uh, And and honestly, got a little little choked up reading through those, just hearing your stories. I'm sure I look like a disturbed person in a Fairfield Inn and Suites. Um, But uh, just hearing your stories of how God has provided some of them from decades ago, some of them just in the last two or three days. And so as God does those things, uh, we want to give him glory for them. And I've got a, just an amazing story to share with you today. Um, Derek and Amy Bebow are members of Christian Chapel. Their son, Owen, is one of our seventh grade chapel youth students. Derek sent us this one this week. He said, our son, Owen, was born red-green colorblind. He saw the world in an entirely different way than most people. He could only see a slight tinted gray-like color when shown a very bright green or red. He could see other colors like blue, yellow, orange, but not in the same way as someone with normal vision does. All colors look muted to him. It was like living through the lens of a welder's helmet all the time. Owen made it through elementary school without anyone knowing. He didn't know he was colorblind. He thought everyone saw colors the way that he did. After it was discovered that he didn't see things the same way the rest of his family did, it started to bother him that he couldn't see colors correctly. We investigated getting him special glasses that would help him, but all of these were only artificial fixes, adding a red tint to his vision that would give him just a sense of what color and brightness were. After looking at glasses one evening recently, Owen went to bed a little disappointed about his sight, and he asked God if he would let him see more color. And that was it. Owen never told us that he prayed that night. At 3 a.m. on January 3rd, 2023, Owen texted us in the middle of the night to say that something had happened and he wanted to tell us about it. My wife Amy told him to come downstairs and talk to her. (laughs) Owen was practically bouncing off the walls when he came downstairs. We finally got him to settle down for a minute and asked what what had happened. Owen had a huge smile on his face and announced, I can see. We were sort of confused Amy asked if he'd been having trouble seeing, not even thinking about his colorblindness. He replied, no, I can see fine, but now I see in color. He ran over and gave us a hug. You could feel the excitement pulsing through him. We asked him what had happened. He said he'd been startled awake by a noise while sleeping, but he didn't know what it was. He said he was trying to look around his room, but everything just seemed black and dark. Then he heard a voice say, arise and receive your gift. And as he looked around his room, everything got brighter, and he realized something was very different. He looked at his phone to see what time it was, and that's when he knew something was seriously different. The Michael Jordan picture on his lock screen was wearing a bright red Bulls jersey, not a muted gray one. He ran over to his door and flipped on the light. His whole room was full of color. His toolbox nightstand was vibrant red. His Cubs blanket was bright blue. 
We spent the next hour in the middle of the night looking at every colorful thing we could find in the house. He saw that the Christmas tree was green, the different colors of the ornaments. We looked at boxes of food and packaging in the pantry. We showed him fruits and vegetables and everything in the fridge. It was so amazing experiencing his new discovery. He eventually went back to his room but couldn't fall asleep, so he continued to look at full-color photos until he fell asleep around 6 o'clock in the morning. God has shown his goodness to our family so many times in so many ways, but this was different because God answered Owen's prayer, a prayer he prayed on his own. God not only healed Owen, but answered one of our other biggest prayers as parents, that God would show up to our kids in very personal ways. Just such a such a wonderful story. I mean, as as parents, uh, there's there's nothing you want more in life than to know that your kids pray, God answers, and they recognize it. And, and so we want to give God glory. And then each week, we're also stopping just to pray, Lord, will you do it again? And so if if you're in a place today where you need healing, and it might be something really big and serious, it might be something that had just kind of nagged you your entire life to the point that you don't really even pray about it anymore. It might be something a friend or family member just deals with, but even as you hear that story of Owen, you're just thinking, you know what, there's some stuff I've just settled with in my life. And today, I want to ask God to release his healing again. So if if you need healing, will you just raise your hand where you are? I want to pray for you. If there's someone next to you, just reach out, put your hand on their shoulder, and we're just going to thank God, and we're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who heals. We thank you that you're a God who answers prayers of children and teenagers and adults. We thank you that you are the God who knows our physical needs and has plans to bring wholeness and healing to us. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you for the miraculous healing that you released in Owen's life. Lord, we want to thank you for this testimony of your unmerited grace that's been poured out on him. Jesus, we want to thank you and give you all of the glory, recognizing that his ability to see in full, vibrant color is not coincidence or something he grew into, but it is the divine work of the hand of God in his life. And now, Jesus, we pray the story that we've heard. Will you do it again today? Will you release your gifts of healing? Lord, you see those who've received reports that what they have will never change. They will live with this for the rest of their life. It's going to be nagging. It's going to be inconvenient. It may be serious. Jesus, today we ask, will you release the gifts of healing into our bodies today? Lord, will you restore, renew, and make whole in every way that sickness, disease, injury, and disability have taken away? We come to you now, Lord, recognizing that healing is a gift from you, that we cannot earn it, we cannot manufacture it, we just come to receive it as you wish to release it. So Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your goodness, we thank you for your healing power, and we ask as we glorify you that you would do it again today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to encourage you every week, if, if you need healing when we dismiss services, please go by the prayer room. Let us pray with you personally. We'd love to do that and just continue to see what God wants to do in us.
Today we are continuing our, our Kingdom Builders series, and Kingdom Builders is how we start every January at Christian Chapel. It's a, a way, as we talked about uh, when we heard from Dave and Patty earlier and the, the missionary calling on their life, it's a way that we support missionaries. It's a way that we invest in local ministries like Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a way that we invest in next generation uh, investments through uh, camp scholarships, mission trip scholarships, other things for kids and teenagers. But Kingdom Builders is more than a giving mechanism. Kingdom Builders is a way of life. It's a way that we make sure we are putting God's kingdom first in everything that we do, everywhere that we go. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to raise kingdom families. Uh, Kingdom families. And so actually kind of fun for me today. My mom is here, just right back there. Mama, how are you? And so I I just want to, if you didn't see her, she's back there, red shirt. Uh, Any parents who just, uh, any parents who, you know, you're raising a little boy that honestly just, you're kind of wondering, like, am I going to visit him in prison one day? Uh, How's this going to turn out? Just talk to my mom later. I mean, my little brother was so difficult for her. And, uh, but he's successful. He's a pastor now, you know, and like he, he was in my shadow all the time and like I was the favorite. She had to pretend I wasn't. It was really difficult for her to raise him. She got a lot of calls from the school about him. He was in the principal. Might have been me in all of those situations. But uh, anyways, it's, it's fun for me to do that. But today, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to raise kingdom families. Now, don't check out on me if you're not a parent. Maybe your kids are already grown. You don't have kids yet. You don't want kids. Uh, you might be in seventh grade and think, I hope my parents listen and uh, get some good tips. But my, my encouragement as we talk through this is that when we're talking about raising kingdom families, what we're really talking about is making kingdom investments in the next generation. And so every believer has a responsibility to younger believers who are coming after them. And most of our application this morning is going to be directed towards parents who currently have children at home. And yet, I think there's going to be stuff that we can all learn, whether you're a seventh grader that you can apply when you're serving in chapel kids, or a high schooler helping middle schoolers who are coming behind you, college students, young adults, uh, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, everybody. We're going to find something here for us today. So we're going to uh, look at just one short verse, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and we are going to read it in the King James Version, uh, which we don't do very often, but I just, sometimes you memorize a verse in one version, and it never sounds right in any other one, and this this is one of those for us. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You might be more familiar with the the NIV version that says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, before we jump into this, I I want to to just give you a little context. The way that that Proverbs work is this is a collection of wisdom sayings. And so Proverbs are not necessarily promises or guarantees that A plus B will equal C. They are universally accepted truths that generally A plus B will equal C. But we all know there's exceptions to the rules. And so when you come to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, there can be a temptation for parents to think, well, if I just train my kids correctly, 
then I am guaranteed they will always make wise choices, they will always follow Jesus, and they will never experience any kind of hardship, difficulty, or disappointment in life. And, and yet we all know, and we could tell our own stories, of children who were raised in the same home, brothers and sisters, same parents, same rules, same church investment, same prayers were prayed over them, same scriptures were read, they went to the same youth group, they went to the same youth camp, and yet today as adults, one is following Jesus and one is not. And and my goal today is not to heap shame or guilt or condemnation on you if your kids have turned away from the faith. My goal instead is to say what Proverbs teaches us and what the scriptures teach us is that generally, if we will do our best to raise our children up in the way of Jesus, when they are old, they will still be in the way of Jesus. It doesn't mean that there won't be some, some dips and some detours along the way. And so, so my hope is to build us up today, not to tear us down. And so while Proverbs isn't necessarily a promise that if you do this, this will happen, it is a, a general statement of, hey, generally, when people follow Jesus and they teach their kids to follow Jesus, their kids follow Jesus. It's also a warning of if you don't teach your kids to follow Jesus, you're making it easier for them not to follow Jesus. So the, the first thing we learn about kingdom families in Proverbs 22, verse 6, is that kingdom families train. You will not have kingdom-oriented families or kingdom-oriented kids without intentional thought and effort. Right? And, and everyone who is a parent, has been a parent, hopes to be a parent, you know that being a parent is hard work. I remember one day, uh, I think my, my son was about four years old, and he looked at me and he said, I can't wait till I have kids one day so I can tell them what to do all the time. And I thought, I can't wait for you to have kids either. Because there's a whole lot more to it than that, right? Like, I'm telling you what to do, and then there's all of these other things we're doing for you as well. And you know as a parent, you've been entrusted with this holy responsibility to not only keep this child alive, and not only keep them out of harm, but to really push them in the direction of Jesus. And what Proverbs is telling us is, to be a parent is to embrace the responsibility you have to be intentional in the direction you are starting your kids off and the direction you're leading them. Right? You, you can't assume, well, no one did that for me, so I think my kids will be fine. There is no kind of hands-off form of parenting. Parents, as called by God to raise kingdom kids, must be intentional in the direction we're leading them. Now, now that can be a little intimidating because I don't, I don't know about yours, but mine did not come with instruction manuals, right? And, and I've got three of them, and the, the second one is different than the first one, and the third one is different than the second one, and what works with one doesn't necessarily work with the other one. And, and so sometimes as, as a parent, it can be very stressful because you're thinking, well, I want to train them, but how do I train them? What do I train them in, and how do I make sure I'm putting them in the right direction? How do I make sure I'm not making it harder for them to follow Jesus? This is where I think the scriptures encourage us that whatever God calls us to do, he always sends the Holy Spirit to help us do it. And so it's the Holy Spirit who's going to train us to train the next generation. 
It's not on me. It's not on you. Our job is to embrace our responsibility, and that responsibility should drive you to your knees in humility, surrender, and prayer, and say, Lord, I hear what you're calling me to do, to train, to instruct, to guide my children and the generation coming after me, and I recognize there are some places and spaces I don't know how to do that. And when you pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit comes as your helper. The Holy Spirit comes as the one who empowers you. The Holy Spirit comes and begins to speak to you through your prayers, filling you with faith and courage, releasing his gifts of wisdom and knowledge, giving you peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and all of the other fruit of the Spirit that you're going to need to be the parent God is calling you to be. When you ask the Holy Spirit for help, you receive the Holy Spirit's help. And so you don't want to hear Proverbs as a heavy command being laid on you of you better get this right, but instead you want to hear Proverbs 22.6 as an invitation to life with the Spirit. Train up a child as the Holy Spirit is training you. And the Holy Spirit's going to train you through your prayers. The Holy Spirit is going to train you through the Scriptures. If you're saying, I don't know what parents do, I don't know what, what, what direction we're supposed to lead our kids, just start to read your Bible on a daily basis and ask the Lord, what are you saying to me about my role as a dad? What are you saying to me about my role as a mom? What are you saying to me for my children? And when you ask those things, he will answer. The Holy Spirit's going to speak through prayer, he's going to speak through the scriptures, and he's going to speak through community. God has put you in a community where you can receive support from others. And and so if you are in that kind of trainer role, there's three key relationships that you need to have in your life. If you're going to train the next generation, the first relationship you need to have is you need to have relationships with other peers who are believers. And, And that second part is really important. It's not just other peers who are raising kids in the same stage of life as you. If you're going to raise up a child, train a child in the way they should go, you need relationships with other people who are in the same stage of life as you and are believers. Now, a a local church, honestly, is one of the best places to find those kinds of relationships. And when you have them, those of us who've lived in them, we know parenting is better when you've got some other people around you. Because if if you're isolated and on your own, you're going to be far too impressed with your kids' accomplishments, and you're going to be far too worried about the areas where they mess up. And you're just going to swing from thinking they're going to be a president to they're going to be a prisoner. And there's not really going to be any kind of way in between, right? But if you have some friends in the same stage of life, they kind of normalize, no, we're just, this is what we do. At three, this is what we do. At three, yeah, they will look you straight dead in the eye and tell you no and just not move and not care. They have no respect for your authority. And at three, you're like, hey, that's okay. We can work through that. At 15, when they're still doing that, we're saying, like, now you got to step up, mom. Now you got to step up, dad. That's, it's not cute anymore. You can't laugh that off anymore. But what peers do is peers help us understand what is normal in this season of life, and they also help us understand what is exceptional. Of no, 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 that's an area where you need some extra prayer. That's an area where you need some extra input. That's an area where you, and then just honestly, like probably shouldn't say it, but honestly, sometimes when you talk to your peers about parenting, you're just going to walk away feeling better about yourself. (laughs) Super, super tacky, I know. You probably shouldn't say it out loud, but I, I mean, I know there have been times where I've told stories about things I've done as a dad, and the only thing that has been achieved is I made that other guy feel better of like, well, I'm not like this guy. You're doing pretty well, like, you know? And, and so just 
those peer relationships are essential. The second relationship you want to have is you want to have a, a relationship with mentors. So we have a, a formal mentoring program at Christian Chapel that you can get plugged into. That's just email Mike at christianchapel.com. He'd be happy to do that. But just find somebody, especially if you're a parent, find somebody who's a season or two ahead of you with their kids. So if you've got babies, find somebody who's got some early elementary kids. If you've got elementary kids, find somebody whose kids are in middle school or high school. If you're uh, in the teenage years, find somebody whose kids are in college or out of the house. Find somebody, and here's the key, find somebody whose kids you want your kids to be like. And then sometimes it's okay to find somebody whose kids have, have experienced some hardship and some difficulty and build those relationships. And you're not doing that in a judgmental way, but you're able to be part of the support in that person's life as well. But when you see somebody who you just feel like, eh, that's the kind of dad I want to be, that's the kind of mom I want to be, just make the effort, right, to, to say, hey, do you mind if we just have a talk? Do you mind if we grab coffee? Do you mind if we grab lunch? And let them share that wisdom. Now, when somebody comes to you asking you to be that kind of mentor, my request to you is please accept it. You will never feel qualified for it. I know many of us in the room, somebody came and said, will you give me parenting advice? You'd be like, I am not the person. Like, let me tell you somebody else you should ask. But if God has called someone to talk to you, talk to them. Share your successes. Share your failures. Share your reliance on the Holy Spirit. Share the things that worked and the things that didn't work. And then really, what they really need to hear, share with them that they're going to make it. Share with them that God has chosen them to be the parents of these children. Share with them that you're going to pray for them that you're going to celebrate with them, that you're going to mourn with them. Share with them that they don't have to pretend with you, that you're a safe space where they can come with their doubts, their questions, their frustrations. And as, as we develop those mentoring relationships, we begin to experience some really powerful community connections that enable us to better train the next generation. And then the last thing you, you want to develop if you want to be a trainer for the next generation is you want to develop some reverse mentoring relationships. And what we mean by this is typically a mentor is somebody who's already been there. A reverse mentoring is you looking back at somebody who's younger than you and learning from them. When Angie and I were the, the youth pastors at Christian Chapel, this was one of our, our favorite ways to learn about parenting, was by talking to the teenagers that we were serving with on a weekly basis. And, and just hearing their stories and, and asking them at times. So, so if you see a, a high school kid, you see a college kid, you see a young adult that you think, you know what, I wouldn't mind if my kid turned out like that. Just spend some time asking them questions of like, hey, what do your parents do that, that has worked well for you? You know, you can ask them, what, what did your parents do that at the time you hated, but you have now come to appreciate? You can ask them, what do you, what do you wish your parents would have done differently? And as you begin to hear that wisdom, wisdom doesn't just flow down from older generations to younger, but wisdom also flows up from younger generations to older. And, and there are things that your children are navigating, that my kids are navigating, that we never dealt with at their age. And if you can find somebody who's just four, five, six years ahead of them and say, hey, what did you learn? What can I do to help my child follow Jesus? They, they don't know the wisdom that they have. But when you begin to ask them, it begins to draw them out, draw that out of them. So Proverbs tells us, first, we're going to train up a child. And then it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And so, so that next part we want to focus on is the way. Now, in Proverbs 22, in Proverbs in general, the way is the way of wisdom. In Proverbs, to walk in wisdom is to walk in the fear of God, to know his commands and live according to them, to resist the many paths of temptation and destruction that come our way. 
Proverbs is, is just full of wisdom. Now, as you transition to the New Testament, the way is not just the way of wisdom. It's not just the path of the commandments, but the way becomes Jesus. Jesus describes himself to us as the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He tells us that the way is the narrow road that leads to life. And so for us, as followers of Jesus, to train our child to build kingdom families is to model them and and do everything we can to model for them what it means to live the way of Jesus. It's not good enough for us just to tell our kids, you need to be Christians, you need to go to church, you need to have a relationship with the Lord. We have to live it out in front of them. If you want to build kingdom families, you have to live the way. And to live the way means that you're not telling your kids what to do while you do the opposite. I've seen this as a youth pastor, I've seen it as a pastor, I've seen it as a friend of different people where a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa, a caregiver will make a decision of, I want my kids to be raised in church. And what they mean by that is I want my kids to grow up to be moral people. I want them to make good choices. I want them to to do more positive things and negative things in life. I want them to be surrounded by a good group of people. And so they will send their kids to church. And can can I tell you, there is a massive difference for a parent between leading your family to church and sending your kids to church, right? You can send them all day long while you stay home and watch football, while you go do whatever you want to do. You can tell them how important it is for them to go to chapel groups while you hang out and, and avoid home groups at all costs. You can tell them how they need to be here on Sunday morning while you sleep in on Sunday morning. But, but here's what I'll tell you. It is hard for parents to grow passionate kingdom kids when they're apathetic about the kingdom. It's hard to lead your kids where you aren't. It's hard to tell your kids to chase a destination that you have no interest in. And so if you're going to train a kid, you have to live this out in front of them. Because you know your actions speak so much louder than your words. They tuned you out a long time ago. Right? Whether, whether we like it or not, we know that they have. They only hear maybe 10 or 15% of what we actually say, but they are constantly watching. And if they see, hey, if you want kids that love the scriptures... You have to be a parent who loves the scriptures. If you want kids who go to the Lord in prayer, you've got to go to the Lord in prayer. If you want kids who worship, you have to worship. If you want generous kids, you have to be a generous person. If you want kids who serve, you have to be a person who serves. You have to show them this is what it looks like. Part of living the way includes prioritizing the way. We have to put Jesus first. Now, our our kids right now are... Uh, let's see, we've got a senior, a freshman, and an eighth grader. And that's easier to remember than how old they are. But um, senior, freshman, and eighth grade. And so what, what we have learned, starting off probably around four years old, is whatever hobby, interest, or inclination your kid has, especially here in the, the, the Tulsa area, there is a line of people ready to take all of your time and all of your money to help your kid do it better. I don't know what your kid's hobbies or interests are. I don't know the areas where they're gifted and where God has really graced them. But I know whatever it is, there's an extra school uh, activity for it. I know there's a, a trainer or a tutor for it. I know there's a way for you to give Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday night and all day Saturday and half day Sunday to it whether it's academics or athletics or fine arts, right? I, I mean, I, I can only speak to where my family is, and, and 
I've got some smart kids. We're not the, the super academic family, though. We are not a fine art family in any way. God bless those of you who are. You're keeping our culture better while my family's yelling at refs. You're, you're just, you're helping us. But all I know is my kids, they've played sports their whole life. In every league they've ever played in, we've been approached by a coach of, hey, so, so there's this other league. You know, we, we travel around a little more. It's a little more competitive. There's these other trainers. There's, and they always hold out like this promise of, you know, and, and then if they do this, your kids are broken arrows, so it's going to be a big school. They might not make the team. I mean, if they want to play baseball in high school, they can't be on this five-year-old rec t-ball team. They've got to start traveling to Arkansas. You're like, what are you talking about? Right? But if you say yes and you buy into it, whatever it is, all your time, all your money, and you're going to keep saying, we're prioritizing the way, but what you're actually doing is prioritizing everything else. And if you're really going to prioritize the way, you've got to make it a priority for your family. God will never call your children to anything that will lead them away from a relationship with him or connection to Christian community. Right? And, and now, don't get me wrong, you can sell your soul and get the scholarship, get the spot on the team, win the audition. But at the end of the day, when they're old, they'll depart from all of those things. And and so what Proverbs is telling us is you've got to prioritize it. And and what this really forces us to consider is if we raise our kids where Jesus is only another option, many of them will choose to opt out. And, And when they opt out, it's not necessarily Jesus that they're leaving, It's this weak, apathetic faith that we taught them is there when it's convenient, there when it's comfortable, there when there's nothing else to do. We go to church when it's raining and we can't make it to the lake. We go to church when the tournament gets canceled. We participate in these other things when there's absolutely no other conflict on the family calendar. If you raise your kids with this kind of weak cultural Christianity, usually there's one of two outcomes. They either reject it, Or maybe even more dangerously, they embrace it. And they continue to live this life where they think they are fully devoted to God God while just giving him the scraps and leftovers of their life. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. And so for for us, if we're going to prioritize the way, it requires that we prioritize the way. And so so parents, what that means is is you've just got to make, sometimes you've got to say no to some really good things in order to give your kids what is best. And the way you are to train them and the way you are to raise them up is not to to achieve everything they can in life at the expense of their relationship with the Lord. But it's to say we are kingdom builders and we are a kingdom family. And every decision we make, every activity we engage in, every dollar we spend, every commitment we place on our calendar has to fit under the covering of being kingdom builders and a kingdom family. And if it does not do that, we have to say no. And, and, I, and I already know, because I, I, I know many of you, because you're wired like me, you're wired like my wife, we are high-achieving people. And you're terrified, if I say no to this opportunity in elementary school, if I say no to this opportunity in junior high, if I say no to this opportunity in high school, am I putting a cap on my child's future? If, 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 I, if I sacrifice this opportunity to send them to kids' camp, am I denying them a potential open door down the road? And, and here's my, we are, we are living this out with our kids right now. My encouragement to you is if God has a plan for your kid, and you will honor God's plan for your kid, 
no one in the world can stop God's plan for your kid. Just trust him. Trust him with your time. Trust him with your money. Trust him with your investments. He will open doors that no one can shut. He will answer prayers that no one thought were possible. Just prioritize the way, not just in your words, but in your actions and in your calendar. One of the ways that we're working through this as a family right now, there's a chapel youth missions trip coming up this summer. At Christian Chapel, our goal is that every high school student goes on a missions trip at least once when they're in high school. We believe when high school students leave the United States, when they encounter another culture, and specifically when they encounter the gospel at work in another culture, it is one of the most significant and impactful discipleship opportunities that a teenager can have especially for for our kids that have grown up in, in generally such comfort and affluence. It's an opportunity for them to kind of have the the cultural scales shaken off their eyes and to see the gospel at work in different places among different people. Now, when, when I was a youth pastor, I would have got up here and told you, Disneyland is terrible. Send your kid with me to Brazil. And I would have told you, don't waste your money on skiing. Send them with me to Mexico. I would have told them, they don't even like your family vacation. They complain about it to me. Send them with me, and Jesus will change their heart. And then I became a parent of teenagers. And I realized something. I realized when you send your teenager to another country without you, it's kind of a scary process. right? That, that, did you know mission trips are expensive? I mean, I knew that as a youth pastor, and I would tell people, it's fine, God will provide. Now I'm like, two of my family members want to go? Titus, uh, what is the fundraising plan for this? I don't understand. You know, and, and so I get it. Here, here's the deal with mission trips and, and high school students. It's always expensive. It's always a little scary to send them off. And it's always easier to think, we'll just do it next time. But never make the mistake of thinking you're going to make the right choice for your kids next year when you have the ability to make it this year. So I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to bully you into anything. I'm just telling you there are opportunities God gives your kids and your family, and if you're going to prioritize the way, you have to actually prioritize the way. And, and so, like, for Angie and I, for this year, prioritizing the way meant, all right, we're, we're going to send them. Like we, we had no other option. We have to send them. This is our chance. We're not guaranteed next summer. We're not guaranteed the summer after that. Connor, our, our senior in high school, when he was a, a freshman in high school, we sent him on a missions trip on spring break of his freshman year, which was March of 2020. Right before, he got on a plane right before all the airports canceled. He, he got his missions trip in in that window. And we debated at that time, do we, it's not convenient it's not an easy time. There's some school conflicts. There were some basketball conflicts, but we just felt like, no, God has, has told us we're going to send him. So we sent him. And we thought at the time, if we don't send him with spring break, we'll send him in the summer with chapel youth. We'll send him in 2021 with chapel youth. We'll send him in 2022 with chapel youth. And then what we saw happen was there were no chapel youth trips in 2020, 2021, 2022. He leaves for college June 1st. He doesn't get to go this summer. If we had not done the thing God told us when God told us, that door would have been closed to him. And so, so again, parents, my encouragement to you, it's not just about a mission trip. It's about the things that God has called you to do, the places where he builds his kingdom in your kids. Will you prioritize it? Because when you're prioritizing, what you're actually doing is you're inviting other people to advocate for the way in the life of your child. 
And this is a responsibility that falls on all of us. It's not just moms and dads to their kids, but Proverbs 22.6 is really an instruction to all of us that we bear responsibility for the generations coming after us. And so the commitment that I need to make to you and that you need to make to me and that we all make to the generations coming after us is we will all advocate for the way to the next generation. If, if you have children, you have undoubtedly had the same experience I have had where your kids come home from school, from a practice, maybe from church, and they tell you something. And they'll tell you like, man, chapel youth, I mean, after you ask seven questions and they're all like, fine, yes, no. Like once you really dig in, right, you, you persevere past that. And they'll finally tell you like, yeah, tonight in chapel youth, my small group leader said, and they fill in the blank. Tonight, Pastor Titus said, fill in the blank. And as a parent, there's, there's, there's two parts of you that are happening when they say that. One part of you is, is jumping for joy and you're saying, thank God for positive, spirit-filled voices, pushing them in the pursuit of the kingdom. Thank God that their ears are open. Thank God that their hearts are receptive. And then there's the other part of you that's like, I've been saying that for years. Can I just get the smallest bit of credit? Can you just acknowledge that what Titus said is what I have said? Can you just acknowledge that what your, your small group leader said is the prayer your mom prays for you every night when you go to bed? Can you just give us a, just a smallest? But that, here's the thing. We all understand it. You always hear things differently from others. And so, so my request for you as a parent is, will you be the other voice in my kid's life? Will you be those advocating for the way? My commitment to you is, I'll be that for your kids. Our commitment as a church is, hey, we're all going to join together, and our goal is to provide a resounding kingdom chorus in the life of every child, every teenager, every college student, every young adult, to where everywhere they turn within their Christian chapel community, they are being trained, raised up, and started off in the way. And what Proverbs tells us is, if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And it's such a, a beautiful principle that brings peace to us. Again, Proverbs aren't promises. It doesn't say if, if you make sure your kid memorizes the scripture, he'll never turn away from the Lord. It doesn't mean he, he might not have a, a season of being a prodigal. It doesn't mean he may not, may not wonder, have his own doubts, have his own questions. It doesn't mean she may not go through some dark nights of the soul and, and have some hard conversations, but what Proverbs tells us is when parents and when older generations dedicate themselves to training the next generation in the ways of the Lord, when they are old, they will not depart from it. Right? And, and as a parent, it, one, of your, one of your greatest prayers is that God will be with your kids in the spaces where you can't be with them. You know from your own experience, there are hurtful, painful things on the horizon. You know there are doubts, questions, and obstacles that they're going to face. You know they're going to go through much of the same thing that you went through. And in those spaces, what Proverbs tells us is as a parent, you can have peace because you've pointed them in the right direction, you've modeled it for them, and the gospel is going to become personal and powerful. As parents, as, as older generations, we cannot control the faith of the next generation. One person can never decide for another person to follow Jesus. It's always an individual choice. But we can do everything we can to make it as easy as possible for the next generation to hear God's voice, 
and do what he says. The the picture that was shared with me years ago is one of you're, you're bringing kindling and firewood around the heart of your child. And every time you pray for your kids, it's another piece of kindling. And every time you read the scriptures, it's another piece of kindling. And every time you bring them to church, it's another piece of kindling. And every time you send them to kids camp, it's another piece of kindling. You send them to youth camp. You send them on that missions trip. You make it a point to be part of a community of faith. And you're just piling the wood around them again and again and again and again. And one day, the Holy Spirit shows up. And their hearts burn bright and passionate. And all of that kindling and firewood now becomes not the things that you have done and put on them, but it becomes the sum and substance of their life. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. This is the the, the principle that brings peace. It's not ultimately on me. It's not ultimately on you. Our job is to point our kids in the direction of Jesus, to point our kids in the direction of the Holy Spirit, to point our kids in the direction of a loving father who gives good gifts to his children and to trust in the same way that God has spoken and we have responded, they will as well. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is wherever the ideal is lacking, God's grace is sufficient. So, so I know when we talk about families, for some of us, it can be a, a painful moment. You, you may be thinking of, well, I wish I would have been raised in a home like that. I, I wish I would have had parents who instructed me in the way. I wish I would have had parents who pointed me in that direction, but I didn't have that. Maybe you're thinking, I wish I would have heard this when my kids were younger. I wish I had a redo with some of them. I see now where I dropped the ball in some areas. Maybe you're thinking, my, my family history, there is, there, we've trained in a lot of ways, and none of them have been the way. You just think of generations of dysfunction. My encouragement to you today is is wherever the ideal is lacking, God's grace is coming and it's going to be sufficient for you. There's never been a perfect parent. There's never been somebody who nailed it every day. And, And so that expectation has never been laid on you, so you might as well stop picking it up. There's never been a perfect family. There's never been a family where everyone did everything God wanted them to do all of the time. And if you don't believe me, just start an annual Bible reading plan today and go back and start in Genesis and see the jacked up family that God chose to make his covenant with. I mean, it will make your family look like Mother Teresa. They made horrible choices, horrible decisions, shameful stories. But God had made a covenant with them and he kept it. And in the same way with us, through Christ, God has made a covenant with us and a covenant for our families. And so if the grace, if if the ideal is lacking, just know today's grace is sufficient. That child that you think is gone, God is still drawing them back to himself. He loved them before you loved them. They were his before they were yours. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us that God will just fill our hearts with faith that we can be kingdom families, building God's kingdom together. Jesus, we come today. Pray, Lord, if there's anyone in the room who's not made that decision to follow you, today, Lord, may they hear the conviction of your Holy Spirit, repent of their sins, and receive you as their Savior. And Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would help us to take seriously our responsibility to build your kingdom in our families and in the next generation. Lord, you see the pain points in our hearts and minds. You see the relationships where we are wondering how your kingdom is present and working. And Jesus, we come today and we pray that your spirit would come. Release your gifts of grace, healing, 
and reconciliation that enable us to be kingdom families. Lord, we pray for prodigals right now, those who have turned away from you. Will you begin to draw them back through the power of your love and the voice of your Holy Spirit? Jesus, we want to see Proverbs 22.6 become our reality. Lord, that when we train children up in the way they should go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. So Jesus, we're asking that you would release your gifts of mercy and grace, that you would release your Holy Spirit to draw and convict, that you would begin to perform works of salvation and reconciliation within our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.